If you're new to Connection Point, I'm Pastor Zach, and Shelly and I have the privilege of leading Connection Point as a church, and it really is a joy. God gives us a great team of people to do that with, like Pastor Jim, our community life pastor, who led us in song this morning. And before coming to Connection Point, for 10 years, Shelly and I lived in Africa and the Middle East. And that was great for us, and it opened our uh, vision for life and, and horizons in a whole new way. And one of the big ways it did that was in the area of community and how we live in community. Before we left for Africa, Shelly and I lived in Chicago. We actually lived across the street from the high school where I was teaching. I taught high school math and coached and, and stuff. You know, as a teacher, you do lots of things. Uh, I always gave my, my fellow colleagues, my teachers, a hard time who would like to live in the city and commute out and work in the suburbs. I'd tell them, you know, on those snowy mornings where it took them like an hour, hour and a half to get to the high school. Like, whew, that commute was tough this morning. Rolled out of bed, walked across the street. That was hard today. <laughs> um, give them a hard time. But you know, one of the things that we quickly learned as we went to Africa and spent time there and then in the Middle East is we learned we really didn't know a whole lot about what it meant to truly live in community. Africans, man, they do community. Middle Easterners, Arab cultures, they do community. Uh, Israelis, man, they do community. And so what we quickly learned as Americans is we really need to learn a whole lot more about living in community. Now, there's strength in, in living in individualism, you know, that there's, there's things you can accomplish. But man, it's one thing to run alone and try to accomplish much, but it's a whole other thing when you get to run alongside um, brothers and sisters. So I'm going to put this in our context in the church to see what God wants to do. Uh, when we were living in the Middle East, not only did we learn a lot from our African brothers and sisters and our our Middle Eastern brothers and sisters, but we learned a lot from the church planning teams that we worked with. We were with a team in Sudan of about 40 people. Um, some of those were teachers at the school that Shelley and I were running. And what we basically did is we did everything together. So we had a weekly team meeting where we talked about the Bible, had times of worship and singing. And then we would work at the school together. I'd get up and go running with some of the guys in the morning. So we just did life together. And it was a great thing. Now, there's also challenges in community. Because you realize, I don't really like this about this person. Hey, let me challenge us this morning in the American church. What's the typical response in the American church when that happens? Ah, I'll go find that church over there and see if those people over there, you know, are going to be able to put up with my stuff. That's our response. But you know what? When you're in that setting, you've got 40 people, you don't have that choice. But let me challenge you in this. What I've learned is, in those opportunities where all of a sudden you find something that maybe just doesn't, you know, rub you the right way, that's actually your greatest potential for growth. That's where you actually start to become like Christ. Uh, and one of my, my working theories in the American church is some of the reasons that sometimes people don't look a whole lot like Jesus in the American church is because they're living up here on the surface level and they don't dive deep in relationship to find the genuine community that God has designed the church to be. So I'm going to challenge us this morning in the area of community and finding real community. I see some of our Chi Alpha lights here. You know, one of the things I love about Chi Alpha is they dive deep in discipleship and they really want to do community. Um, that's really some of the strengths of Chi Alpha. So Chi Alpha, you've got to help bring that to the American church. Deal? Come on, deal? They're like, shoot, don't put us on the spot, Pastor. <laughs> but we really do. We really need to learn what it is to live and walk in real community. And I want to challenge you to say that although there are times when maybe there's disagreements, but if we really embrace those as times where, yeah, you know what, I maybe should change a little bit of, of who I am in that regard, 
we really can shine Jesus to the community outside these walls. And that's what I want to focus on this morning as we talk about community and in the Bible and what it has to say about community. Chuck Miller, he's a Christian author. I love this description of Christianity in terms of its progression. Here's what he writes. He says, Christianity was birthed in Galilee as a relationship. Think about Jesus and the disciples. Think about the early church. Man, they just lived in relationship. But here's what he says happens. It spread to Greece and became a philosophy. It spread to Rome and became an empire. It spread to Britain and became a culture. It spread to the United States and it became an enterprise. That's hard. We in America must leave behind our church's enterprise approach to ministry, return to Galilee, and lead a church that is truly about relationships. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Here's what he says It is too tempting and often much easier to measure the effectiveness of ministry by the size of the enterprise rather than by the transformation of individual lives and the richness of the communities. Blessings, the the blessing of community, the community's fellowship. I want to say that last line again. We should measure, I'm going to just insert my own definition here. We should measure our effectiveness as a church by the transformation of individual lives and the richness of our community and fellowship. That should be the measure of a church. So we're going to study the Bible and see what Hebrews chapter 10 has to say about that this morning. And as we do, here's what we're going to discover our local community, our near neighbors, as I like to call them. They need connection point to live in real community. Very basic. The people outside these walls this morning, they need to see a church that lives and breathes real, authentic community. They really do. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do. Shelly shared last week for Mother's Day, and she's like, I didn't know what to do there. Like, we're going to get into the Bible. And I said, you just got to gloss right over it if you're not going to do it. You know, you just got to be like, here's your Bible, Hebrews chapter 10, and keep going. Because people are going to yell out, I hope you do. So if you, if you have your Bibles, and I do hope you do, I invite you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, we're going to be in verses 24 and 25 this morning. So Hebrews chapter 10, 24 and 25. I'm going to invite you to stand for the reading of God's word, uh, simply out of reverence for the fact that God gave his word to us. Man, I'm grateful. I love the early church. I love studying the early church. But they didn't have this in their hands. What a blessing that we get to read and understand God's word in the way that we do. So Hebrews chapter 10. 24 and 25. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meetings together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the days of his return is drawing near. Amen. These are the words of God. Maybe see you this morning. Short one. But man, those are powerful verses. Motivate one another to love and good works. Don't neglect meeting together. And the first point we're going to pull out of this passage is this, that our local community needs us to live in real community because our world is in desperate search for authentic community. It really is. Our local community needs us to live in real community because our world is in desperate search for authentic community. Uh, Our kids, they, they really enjoy sports, and we enjoy sports for them. Please run them out. Wear them out so I can take them home and put them to bed. And all our young parents said, <laughs> oh. but they do. So they love to play soccer. They're in the greater GL, greater Lafayette Regional Soccer Alliance. What a mouthful. GLRSA. So they all play soccer for that. So here's a picture of Nate, pretty intense on the field. He goes after it. Uh, Lucas, he finally had his day. 
he, he's four, and you can't play soccer until you're U5. So this season is his first soccer season. He's been waiting for years for this. So he got to play. So here's, now, and let me say this. You know, most four-year-olds, like you go watch four-year-olds play, like if they get to kick the ball, like that is it. You know, they're like, kick the ball. Mom, dad, you see that? Like that's, that's it. Not Lucas though. You know, he's got older brothers and sisters who play soccer. He is gonna get it in the goal. Like if, that, that's it. I, his fixated on, that goes in the goal. So here's, here's a shot of him. He's taking a shot on the goal. See that celebration? The first goal of the season, he ran around the whole soccer field. Woo! <laughs> Here's another one. His favorite kick is the slide kick. I think he misses this one, but he's gonna go after it. Wham! Oh, he'll get it next time. Anyway, so they love soccer. Haley loves it too. But what's interesting with our kids in soccer is what I have found is we have come back. You know, God gives us a, a desire, a heart for community. Like, we're born with it. We, we want community. God is the original person in community. God, the Holy Trinity. God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. That's perfect community. But then we see that Adam, God makes Adam. And in Genesis, what we find, I'm going to go ahead and jump to that verse here. Genesis chapter 2, he says, it's not good that man should be alone. I'll make a helper for him. So from the very beginning, God says, you were born and designed for community. We know that God had community with Adam and Eve in the garden. So it's a natural inclination. And so people look to fill that in lots of ways. Our, our kids are in Klondike School, and it is incredible the amount of activities that you could do in the school if you wanted to. And why do, do organizations like soccer sports leagues and, and schools, why do they do that? Because they know we have this natural inclination for community there's strength in community, and so they want to be the answer for community. But God, I challenge us this morning that the only eternal community is the church. So when people are looking to fill that void in lots of other ways, like places like the soccer, you know, so Nate's been on the same team for three seasons. All the parents, they root for each other's kids, they bring snacks for one another. You know, they're going to do community in the soccer way, but yet it's shallow because community was meant to happen in the church because this is the community that lasts forever. So we need to be the answer for community. The local community outside these walls needs to see Connection Point living in real community. But now the problem is, church hasn't always done a good job of living in community. As I already mentioned, you know, oftentimes, you know, we were stuck in community, which is both sometimes an awesome thing and a challenging thing. What it helped us is develop and grow where we oftentimes can escape the community we're in if we don't want to grow, if we don't want to really look in the mirror to see who we truly are, and we can kind of jump in another community. But that's not the answer. That's not the answer we have in the Bible. And so we have to be intentional about developing real community in the church. You know, and I know that oftentimes it, it, it's better, um, let me say this, our default is what's safe and comfortable. So even in the context of community, and I'll say this, if you're new to the church, one of the tremendous blessings of this church is you're going to find real, authentic, loving, kind, hospitable people. Like, that's just the nature of who the people are at Connection Point Church. But I want to also challenge us to move beyond just being hospitable, and instead of just hanging out with the typical people we're used to because that's safe and comfortable, can you open your eyes to maybe people that you don't recognize, maybe people that you don't know, let them be a part of your inner community? That's one of the areas that we have to grow because the local community around us, they need to see us living in real community. 
We must live in real community because you were designed for it, and our local community is desperate for it. And the second point this morning is this, that our local community needs us to live in real community because it needs to see a church engaged in love and good works. Let me say that again. Our local community needs us to live in real community because it needs to see a church engaged in love and good works. I love those verses. Here's what it says. Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews tells us, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of good love and works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of Jesus is coming and it's coming soon. This is the purpose, one of the purposes of why we get together. And what this also tells us is our natural default is not to engage in love and good works. Our natural human heart we actually have to push one another to live in this way. I don't know, if for those that are married, um, you know, your spouse kind of helps you in these things sometimes, like, eh, how's your attitude there? At least my spouse challenges me sometimes in that way, I'll say it. Um, but that's what we need, and we need that in the church settings, not just in your marriage, but we need that in the church, that our natural inclinations, we don't necessarily always choose good works, we don't always necessarily choose to live in love, and so we have to come together in community to say, you know what, let's go after this under the heading of love and good works. And one of the things that we find is understanding that we need to get together so that we can live like real Christians. And one of the best definitions I have found in the Bible of what it means to live like a real Christian comes from Romans chapter 12. In my ESV Bible, the heading is, for Romans chapter 12, verses 9 to 21, it says, the marks of a true Christian. I love that. And what are the marks of a true Christian? Here's what Paul writes. Don't just pretend to love others, really love them. I gotta stop there. Don't just pretend to love others, really love them. And you know what one of the definitions of that is? Hate what is wrong. That's the next line. Hate what is wrong. That's, that's where we come in and all of a sudden we see something in somebody else that doesn't glorify Christ and we say, you know what, this might be an area to work on. And either that person can choose to embrace that and grow in Christ or they can flee from it. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. Take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. I love that. In other words, live in the joy of the Lord. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Whoa, that's a good one. Hey, let me, say, let me say here too, you know, we worked in uh, the Middle East where the church that's growing there, as people make a decision to follow Christ, if they were of Muslim background, they live this out. And I'll tell you right now, the church in the Middle East is growing by leaps and bounds because they live this out. They bless their persecutors, and by doing so, they are a witness to those who persecute them, and they say, that was what they have is real, and I want it. So you want to be a witness? Bless those who persecute you. Be happy with those who are happy. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. <laughs> I love that line. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. Um, wives, you could use that on your husbands later. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you're honorable. Do all that you can to live at peace with everyone. That's an incredible verse. Do all that you can to live at peace with everyone. Marks of a true Christian. 
Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God, for the Scriptures say, I take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. And in doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Man, should that be our answer. Should that be who we are in Christ? Uh, one of the things that we're doing as, as we continue to grow as a church is we know what would help us as we go to two services in the fall, which is something we're looking at doing, is if we add an extra drive out here. Um, we'll talk more about that in the coming months. But to kind of get ahead of the game on that, we just felt like, man, let's start going and talking to the community and asking them, how would, what's the best approach to doing that? What do we need to do in the way of landscaping? Because we're a part of West Lafayette and there's ordinances and things for that. And so we, I, I met with a city guy this last week and was telling him, hey, this is what we're looking to do, and we just felt like we'd like to find out what are your recommendations as far as landscaping goes. And you know what was interesting? Within 60 seconds of that conversation, we're walking down the sidewalk. He said, can I just say thanks? Thanks for coming to ask us. Why? Because the city, not just the city, let me say this in general, the world is used to the church being at odds with the community and being at odds with the government, instead of saying we're a part of the community, we're a part of this place, and so we should be a part and for you. That that should be the message that we project in everything that we do. So I love that his response was, thanks for coming and talking to us first. So I just encourage us, even if, and let me say this, even if, because so oftentimes I've seen the American Christians get worried about, well, what about this government mandate? What about this? What does Scripture say? Bless those. Bless them. And so what are we going to do? We're going to bless them. We're going to make sure in Jesus' name that they know who Jesus really is. And we're going to do that by establishing and showing hospitality and community. So may we do that. The last point I'm going to share, and you know what? I'm going to go back because I'm going to miss the applications all along the way here. You know, we're encouraged not to neglect meeting together. I can't miss this point because it is the habit uh, of many. It says, don't neglect it's first century. The church says, don't neglect meeting together. They were already having problems with people showing up on Sunday. That's awesome. <laughs> but that still holds true today. So I just encourage us, let's not neglect getting together. The average American Christian might come to two Sundays a month. Of course, we got those that just come to Easter or Christmas. That's not the crowd today, so I'm not going to talk about that. But I just encourage you, don't neglect getting together. Why? Because we need to establish real community. And we need to establish it under the heading of pushing one another toward love and good works. So if you're in the habit of missing here or there, I just encourage you, come and be a part of the family of God. Don't miss out on community week in and week out. You know, one of the ways that we do community here is on a Sunday morning. This is why we do water baptism on a Sunday morning. That's all about community. The community of God needs to witness those who have said, I put my faith in Jesus and I'm going to follow him. That's what baptism on a Sunday morning is for. This is why we do communion. We take communion together as a family of God. That's all about community. This is why we do baby dedications, so that we get to celebrate the new lives that are among us, and we do that in family. This is why we do weekly review, those awkward times where pastor asks you to talk to the neighbor you don't know, because we need to engage in community, and we need to be intentional about doing it. So I encourage you, on a Sunday morning, engage in community. The second place, though, is in our connect groups. This is why as you head out this morning, we encourage you, sign up to be part of a connect group because we want you in community there. It's in connect groups that you can see you belong and you belong to Connection Point. So sign up for connect groups. But I, can I challenge you on this point? So often people have felt like the connect groups were the end-all, be-all for community, but they're not. 
There's no way that in 10 to 12 weeks, getting together at an hour and a half in a time, that you're going to really dive deeply into relationship with others. But the whole reason we have the format we do for connect groups is so that you can hopefully find one or two other people or families in that group that say, you know what? I really think I could hang out with you and have a barbecue with you. And so I encourage you this summer as we sign up for connect groups, don't just think Sunday morning. Don't just think Sunday morning and maybe Wednesday night, whatever group you wind up signing up for. But think about, hey, could we get together around a fire pit together? Could we go out to lunch? You know, you could do that today. Um, And sometimes you have to plan and think accordingly. So I know that uh, one testimony I had shared with uh, before is a lady who on Saturdays prepared a meal double for the purpose of showing up on Sunday to grab somebody for lunch that day. So you sometimes have to pre-plan community. May we think that way so we can establish real community. And the last point this morning is this. Our local community needs us to live in real community because Jesus is coming soon. That's the last verse in Hebrews. Don't neglect meeting together because Jesus is coming. Our local community needs us to live in real community because Jesus is coming soon. You know, as we live in a real community, as we live as real Christians, as defined by Romans chapter 12, by engaging in love and good works, we are a witness to the world around us. And here's what Jesus said in in the Gospel of John. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So as we get together, as we engage in love and good works, we're a witness to the world of who Jesus is. And we need to live in such a way because we know that Jesus is coming again. I mean, Shelly and I both grew up in the church, and I remember so often all of the songs that we would sing about Jesus coming again. Of course, we did sing one this morning about the return of Christ. I heard many messages on the return of Jesus. And really, a big part of that was for the purpose of providing an urgency to say, Jesus is coming, and people need to know who he is. And here's what we know from the demographics of our city right now. Right now in the city of West Lafayette and Lafayette, the greater Lafayette area, 67% of people are at home sleeping in. They're out on athletic fields. Maybe they're out golfing. They could be cutting the lawn because it keeps growing because it won't stop raining. (laughs) This is why I'm training my son this year how to mow the yard. Like, get out there and mow that yard. It's too tall. (laughs) But the reality is the majority of the people in our community are not sitting in a church today. And Jesus is coming soon. May we never forget that. May we never put on blinders that says, Jesus is coming and I'm ready. But the question is this morning, is your neighbor ready? And not neighbor like in the general meaning of that word, but like the neighbor who's to your north, to your south, to your east, to the west. Are they ready for Jesus to return? Is the colleague that you're sitting next to, if you're in cubicles, if you're sitting next to somebody in a cubicle, maybe the office that's next to you, Are they ready for Jesus to return? It's likely they may not be, according to the statistics we have on this area. So we need to live in real community because the community in which we're in, 100,000 plus people are not ready for Jesus to return. This is our responsibility. This is what we have to go after as a church. So I'm going to encourage you today, start building community. Go out to lunch with somebody today. As you head out these doors, sign up to be involved in a connect group, but please take it further than that. Don't think that your connect group is the answer for community. You've got to be able to find people that you can, in organic relationships, I can't match you up. I am not a matchmaker. Now, Shelly, she likes to be a matchmaker. I don't know what it is about, yeah, she's clapping her hands up here. I don't know what it is about women. (laughs) 
Oh, they love to be matchmakers. But I'm not. I can't find those relationships for you. But God can. And it starts by going out and signing up in connect groups today so that you can start to interact with people and know that as we head into the fall, same opportunity exists for you to start building community with others. When Shelly and I returned from living in Africa, we came back with that compulsion, that desire to want to continue to grow in community. Now, I can tell you it wasn't my natural inclination in going overseas, but now coming back, I'm much better about talking to neighbors. Before, when we were in Chicago, I was pretty happy to pull into my driveway at night and just kind of go on with life. It's not to say I was a bad neighbor. We greeted our neighbors. I shoveled in uh, the driveway of the neighbor next to us. They were older, an older couple. I didn't think they needed to be doing that. But even if you're doing those things, those are still surface-level relationships. Dive deeper in community. We can do that by way of Connect Group, but I encourage you, continue to do that in the neighborhoods and in the, in the places of work in which you exist. We need to grow in community. Be intentional about building community with others. Join a Connect Group because you truly do belong here, and I want you to have that, that takeaway. Um, I am going to challenge you, too. The music team's going to come, and we're going to close in song this morning, so I'm going to invite you to stand as we close in song today. But please come back on Wednesday. You're not going to want to miss the opportunity. If you come on a Sunday and you're like, man, I wish we could sing songs for a little bit longer. I just want to soak in the presence of God. That's your opportunity this Wednesday. Rob and Evangeline Spurdy, if you've been in the church for a little while, they've come and worshiped with us at a women's event. They've done that on a Sunday morning. And they're just going to lead us in worship and in song. And we just encourage you to come because we want to kick off our connect groups in worship. No better way to kick off community than to do that in worship. So I just encourage you, come out on Wednesday, but let's just close in song this morning, and then let's make sure we sign up.